Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. It's great to have you here. We're going to have a, an excellent interview I did with Adam Elsesser. He is the CEO of Penumbra. Uh, Adam has an interesting path into medtech, and uh, Penumbra is a, is a fascinating company, one that sort of keeps reinventing itself. And uh, Adam has some intriguing visions. Adam, the management team at Penumbra, has some intriguing visions for the future of the company. So, I know you'll enjoy that conversation. Chris Newmarker and I will run through the Newmarker's newsmakers. Those are coming up. We'll also take a quick look back into Q1. Before we begin, I want to remind you that Device Talks Boston happens on May 10th and 11th. You can register at devicetalks.com. We'll talk about the program a little bit throughout. We'll also talk a little bit about Device Talks Minnesota, which is happening on June 6th and 7th. You can register for both at devicetalks.com and you can use the same code for both DTW25 and you'll save 25% off the price of registration. And finally, before we get into this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast, I want to let you know that our sponsor of this episode, TE Connectivity, is hosting a Device Talks Tuesdays on April 26th. It starts at 4 p.m. Eastern. The title is Advanced Catheter Designs, Optimizing for Precision and Profile. It features Bernard McDermott, an engineering fellow at TE Connectivity. Bernard was part of our TE Connectivity Device Talks Tuesdays last August. It remains one of our most popular, if not our most popular episode. So uh, it is sure to be a great show. You can do two things to register. You can go to devicetalks.com. You can also scan the QR code on the graphic of this podcast, and that'll take you right to the registration site. Again, it's four o'clock on Tuesday, April 26th. It's free. You can watch it live. You can watch it on demand, but make sure you watch it. Go to devicetalks.com for more information. And a little later in the podcast, we'll hear from Brendan Marinan. He is product manager of metals at TE Connectivity. We'll learn more about TE Connectivity and how it works with med tech companies. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Newmarker, happy Friday! Happy Friday, Tom! How you doing, man? We're doing this on Friday again. Doing this on Friday, got the coffee. The coffee, we got so many emails and comments from last week saying they really enjoyed the Friday call. No, no one no one emailed, Chris. No one, no one no cares one. whether we do it on Thursday or Friday, but, but we do. If we have an entertaining podcast and no one notices, did it, was it entertaining? They say they like us. Let's see. Everybody, <laughs> show us how much you love us, everybody, by sharing this <laughs> podcast on LinkedIn. No, anyway, all right, we'll save that for the end. I'm I'm just gonna stick with the with the belief that we're entertaining. That people love us. Inside, I do believe. Good enough. We're, we're smart good enough. Smart enough. <laughs> Doug on it. The great minds think alike. <laughs> People like our podcast. <laughs> Gosh darn it! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think last week I suggested we'd have a special guest this week because uh, we had to reschedule last week because because uh, of my tum tum. Uh, unfortunately, the guest couldn't make it this week, so yeah. we will have her on a future episode very soon. I hope not next week, but uh, soon after. I'm 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 optimistic, yeah. but that's why it's just me and you. But I hope we'll I hope we'll me do and okay. You, man. I hope we'll do okay. It's going to be great. Yeah, so we're it's going to be great, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to we're going to uh it's the first real podcast of the quarter. Well, last last Friday yeah. it really was, but we're going to take a, a few minutes to kind of look back at the top stories of Q1. But uh before we do, uh just a little bit of housekeeping. We do have uh, Device Talks Boston coming up May 10th and 11th. I'll bring it up now just because it's a, right right at, it's coming up. Coming up fast. So, folks, please do register. Please do use the code DTW25. I will be there. Chris will be there. I will be there. Associate Editor Sean Hooley will be there. Our Senior Editor Daniel Kirsch. Going to be seeing a lot of people in person, actually. I haven't seen since the pandemic started. It's wild. That's right. It would be great to, uh, for the first time, to get folks who are listening to this podcast in the same building. And uh, if you are attending, please, uh, and you see Chris and or myself, uh, stop us and say hi. And tell us you listen to the podcast. We'd love to absolutely uh, love to meet you. Yeah, we'll be doing a new markers newsmakers uh, in front of the crowd, right? I think we could do that. Yeah, I got to build that into the yeah. schedule. Are you up for that? 
I, I'm up for it. I mean, hopefully the people are up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <they> were, <laughs> like, wow, I didn't know it was that crazy. Oh, jeez, yeah. Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> I'm never listening to that podcast again. That was awful. Those, will those guys just shut up? We'll definitely, <laughs> we'll definitely do do a little something on the uh, on stage there. And again, uh, if you do see us there, please, uh, please do say hello. All right. Well, now uh, speaking of the uh, world's famous Newmarkers newsmakers, let us yes. uh, let us roll into number five. What's number five story of the week this week, Chris? We we have Essentia launching uh, Sensionics uh, Next Generation. Uh, 180 day ever since E3 CGM in the United States. Um, you know, this is uh, it's it's an interesting business partnership. Like Sensiotics, you know, has created the technology. You know, they, they, you know, they're the maker of the CGM, and Essentia is like you know takes you know doing all the marketing and you know selling of, of this device. Um, just uh, you know, just got FDA approval in February, um, and now it's uh, launched uh, launched here in the U.S. So uh, you know, in in the first patient. So uh, really really exciting news. And, and you know it's it's interesting too um, because you know we were talking about how this is like kind of like the end of the first quarter and interestingly enough the most read story on mass device from the first quarter actually is a uh, story that our uh, associate editor Sean Hooley uh, did in, in January with uh, Sensionics's uh, chief medical officer Dr. Uh, Fran uh, Kaufman that you know that uh, that interview also ran uh, on this podcast right it did yeah, yeah it did he actually interviewed her for the podcast and then turned it into an article it's gotten thousands of hits uh, you know and just a really nice dive into this uh, this technology this uh, 180 day you know sensor that is implanted uh, inside you, and uh, and uh, you know it was it was neat too. Like uh, you know, he closed off the article with a quote from her, like talking about how like you know they're looking like to get this uh, you know like like wouldn't it be uh, amazing if we could get an implantable where that would just last a year uh, inside of you. So you know if you need to check your blood glucose, you can just kind of forget that there's this. Uh, device, you know, inside of you that's measuring it, and you just like can check your blood glucose whenever you need to. And pretty exciting to think for uh, those folks who have been uh, been managing their diabetes that this is an exciting time, and it's and it's become easier and easier to see that day may come when you have an implant that you could could uh, could have inside a device implanted inside of you that would per, that would protect you for for a year and help you manage your disease for a year i think i can't imagine that uh, folks would not be looking forward to that day well, you know, i mean i've got some relatives uh you know with uh you know friends and relatives with diabetes and probably you do too it's everywhere mm-hmm. um you know and it, it takes a lot of time i mean it's it's a really time consuming uh, disease and um you know, just just the idea that you could have a like implantable CGM or, you know, Dexcom, you know, their G7, you know, which is out. That was another really big story early this year. This is almost like the year of diabetes devices insulate with their new insulin pup. But I mean, yep. the G7, like much, much smaller profile, you know, like, like you know, you could, you could hopefully like not, you know, like the less intrusive it can be in your life, you know, the better really with this technology. And it bears repeating, we'll have Shacey Petrovic, the CEO of Insulate Corp at Device Talks Boston. She'll be opening up uh, the May, opening up day two. So she'll be our opening keynote. It'll be outstanding. On, on May 11th. So I hope folks will we'll, really looking forward to we'll that. We'll see us there. So, all right. Well, well, good stuff. And that podcast, uh, which was very popular as well, one of our more popular, it went out on february 11th but folks you can find that on uh on your podcast apps or on devicetalks.com if you want to hear directly from dr fran kaufman she's the cmo of sensionics and sean hooley interviewed her kevin sayer ceo of dexcom and uh jeffrey brewer the ceo of just just like talking the question now is like who in the who what which major players of the diabetes space are not talking to sean it's pretty it's pretty awesome let us roll on to number four. Number four on the list, we've got a GE Healthcare. And uh, let me see if I pronounce this right. I'm Amika. Amika? I'll go with Amika. I M E K A. Amika. They're going to collaborate on uh, brain MRI technology. So the collaboration uh, involves. Uh, you know, GE Healthcare taking its brainwave uh, advanced diffusion processing package, and they're going to uh, integrate this with. Uh, Amica is a non-invasive neuroimaging technology. So, so hopefully this is a, a nice little, uh, you know, nice partnership that'll help just, you know, up the game with, uh, you know, MRI and analysis of the brain. 
Fantastic. It's just really exciting to see. I mean, like GE Healthcare, I mean, this is going to be like a standalone company soon. Um, one of the largest med tech companies out there and they're like, you know, we're working on some more innovation. So that's great. It would be nice to have them uh, an active part of the landscape for sure. And to have them out and, and growing and acquiring and, and really contributing to uh, continuing to contribute to, to med tech. Absolutely. So. Good, yeah, news. good news. Good news indeed. Hey, and you know, um, you know, talking about partnerships, you know, number three on the list, we've got uh, Olympus entering uh, exclusive uh, U.S. distribution uh, agreement with Endoclad Plus. So, I mean, Endoclad Plus, they develop technologies in the hemostasis space, and you know, that includes their Endoclad PHS, and that's like it's like a you know a non-thermal, non-traumatic method for uh, achieving hemostasis with GI bleeds. It's you know designed to help you know stop these types of bleeds. Uh, you know, rapidly and, and reliably. And uh, so this is, uh, yeah, this looks like a, like exciting uh, distribution partnership here where Olympus is going to get this uh, technology out more to people. Well, Olympus has uh, become a, a large player in the, the Boston medical device space. And uh, they've got a huge new plant out in, uh, well, outside of 495, so Western Central, Eastern Central nice. Massachusetts, not too far out. And uh, we will have them uh, at Device Talks Boston. They'll be part of our single-use endoscopes panel, along with Ambu and Boston Scientific. They're an important player. I mean, they've got a they've got a good good presence here in Minneapolis too. And now let's hear a quick message from our sponsor, TE Connectivity. I am here with Brendan Marinan. He is product manager of metals at TE Connectivity. Brendan, tell us about TE Connectivity. Thanks, Tom. TE Connectivity is a global leader in sensor and connectivity solutions across several industries, such as automotive, industrial equipment, aerospace and medical. We are one of those companies as a consumer you may not know, but we are the manufacturer of components and products you use every day. In particular, our medical business is built upon a, a legacy of leading and acquired brands, Craig Anna Medical, a leading partner for minimally invasive catheter-based technologies, Microgroup, precision engineering partner for advanced surgical metal tubing and components, and precision wire, specialist wire solutions manufacturer, and a number of other ent- entities that, that many of your listeners will have come across. We have over 4,500 employees within our medical business worldwide, with over 450 of those very talented and experienced engineers. At our heart, we are an engineering company empowering engineers to solve the toughest challenges of our medical device customers. That's great. We'll hear more from Brendan a little later in the podcast. If you need more information about TE Connectivity, go to te.com. Roll on to number, number two. two on the list. Uh, more more spinoff news. I mean, I mean, gosh, I, you know, when I really started covering this industry a lot, um, you know, you know, a little over a decade ago, um, it was all about mergers, and we've written like, had so many, so much M and A, and now it looks like we're kind of in this trend right now of companies like uh, doing spinoffs, like you know, these some of these big companies are breaking up, and you know, one of the things we're we covered uh, this week that was really big was that uh, you had. Uh, you know, DGO's parent company, uh, Colfax, uh, changed their name to Innovus, and they uh, mm-hmm. took the fabrication technology business that they also had and spun that off as a company called, you know, ESOB. It's an acronym. And uh, now following that split, then, like Innovus is, a, is now a standalone orthopedic, you know, device company, you know, you know one of the, you know, ar- arguably one of the 10 largest in the world, um, you know, uh, it's going to be uh, run out of Maryland. So, so yeah, just another, you know, another example of a company like kind of like, you know, splitting up and, you know, now we've got like this, you know, standalone uh, orthopedic device company that includes uh, the, uh, you know, DJO uh, that, that's out there. So uh, like just, just kind of a changing landscape right now. It's a fascinating time for, uh, for orthopedics, but, but, Spinoffs, you're right. And, and you actually had an interesting article this week, Sean Hooley wrote that one up. Uh, yeah. The uh, analysts at Needham yeah. were sort of speculating about the, the spin-out opportunities at Medtronic, identifying spine and, and diabetes yeah. as, uh, as two principal possibilities for, for spin-outs. Obviously, they're more speculating on whether it makes sense. And I think, I think their take was it would be sort of a wash, that it wouldn't be necessarily a windfall. But it's going to be interesting to see if, if Medtronic decides to... Uh, to shed some of those areas that perhaps it doesn't consider critical, but it's made some, I mean, it's made some investments in, in the space. Uh, certainly we had on the Atronic Talks podcast uh, recently a discussion about their use of AI tools and about customized yeah. ro- uh, spinal rods. So, I mean, they're, they're investing in the space. It's not like they're, they're paring back at all. And they've just uh, appointed a new head of diabetes. So, and they have that 
yeah. that arrangement with Blackstone. So there's certainly yeah. a lot going on there. I mean, diabetes, uh, you know, the uh, you know the, the top management of Medtronic. I mean, it's had cha- it's had some real challenges over there. Um, you know, including uh, including you know FDA challenges. But uh, you know, the top management of Medtronic has kind of said in the past that they you know want to stick with it. You know, the, you know this, this area where they really want to compete. So you know, we'll we'll see. But it does. You know, maybe it comes down to just because a bunch of other people are doing something doesn't mean you should right. do it. You know, so I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we got a bunch of big companies that are splitting off or like, you know, you know spinning off businesses, you know, that they're arguing could be better off if they were on their own. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what Medtronic does. Absolutely. And that was, uh, again, written this week, written by Sean Hooley. And uh, definitely you can find that on uh, yeah, Mastervice.com. It's definitely some good question. Absolutely. And in the, uh, the article that Sean wrote up from the, uh, the Needham Report, uh, quotes Jeff Martha saying, our new operating model is giving us a, lo- a line of sight into what is required to compete and win over the long term in each of our businesses. Then he went on to say, as a result, we're looking at our portfolio with a more critical eye with a focus on growth and creating shareholder value. I'd be surprised if there weren't changes over the coming fiscal year, but I don't know yet if they will be smaller or more significant. So it sounds like something's, something's coming. coming. Something's coming. So we'll be following that story too. I mean, a change is going to come. Change is That's coming. Right. What is what is the number one New Markers Newsmakers of the Week? Oh, the number one uh, New Markers Newsmakers of the Week is uh, FDA uh, approving Abbott's leadless uh, pacemaker for uh, patients with slow uh, heart rhythms. This is their Avere single chamber uh, leadless pacemaker. Um, it, it's, this has been one of the more exciting spaces and actually Medtronic know you know has you know been a been a kind of a, a, a leader in the space with their uh, micro leadless uh, pacemakers but you know now mm-hmm. we got Abbott you know like they're they're up in the game looking to compete you know more in this space um, and uh, you know they've got some uh, arguments here for why uh, you know the, the advantages that you know that that, that they, they have with the uh, Avere technology and uh, I would uh, I would say I would, I, I'm very much like to see them uh, come on this podcast. Absolutely. Really, well, really cool to hear, the, hear them talk about it. We, uh, we have reached out. We'll definitely be, uh, be working with them in some regard to get this story told. But Abbott has been, uh, has been bringing yeah. it. I mean, with, with Structural Heart and now with this, they're definitely moving into some huge, huge areas. Uh, so, and uh, going right at Medtronic and a, and a couple of them. So we yeah. will have Abbott well represented at Device Talks Boston and Device Talks Minnesota. And uh, certainly we'll have them on the podcast as well. I know Sean is uh, is uh, going to be talking with uh, with Nick West, who's been on a few times. He'll be talking with him again in a couple of I mean, weeks. I definitely, I, I'm just always, ex- I like, I generally, I think it's really good when you see more competition. You can't, can't sure. go wrong having, having more competition. And, you know, it, it, it encourages everybody to kind of up their game and, uh, you know, and, uh, and and hopefully innovate, you know, and get some, get some like more cool technologies out there to help people. So, so let's bring it on. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think competition is, uh, is something that's being fed by the, the other number, well, big news of the quarter, uh, big newsmaker, new markers, newsmaker of the quarter. What was the other, uh, the number two most? Yeah, talking uh, about most. up in competition. I mean, you know, another one of our, our you know, along with like, you know, this uh, diabetes tech news, um, another story that uh, like really got a lot of uh, pages on, on mass device uh, so far this year was uh, Medtronic's plans to, you know, acquire a uh, cardiac arrhythmia treatment developer called uh, Afera. Um, hopefully I pronounced that right. You did. Yeah. I did. Afera. Good. All right. <laughs> Based in Newton, Massachusetts, like your neck of the woods. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they uh, design and make a cardiac mapping and navigation stage say, systems as well as a catheter-based cardiac ablation, you know, platform, you know, for, for treating AFib. So that's a, that's, a, that's a really big space. And, you know, even Martha was, this is like a nearly $1 billion deal. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Martha was, uh, you know, saying during a Q3 call in February that, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, this helps, you know, plug some competitive gaps in, uh, in Medtronic's portfolio. So, so just a really good, Good acquisition for them, you know. As as we were saying, like more competition in the space, and you know they're 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 laying down nearly a billion dollars to you know to to kind of uh, like uh, strengthen their their cardiac ablation platform, you know, as they as you know competition increases. So so yeah, really cool. 
This will help them in, in pulse field ablation. And uh, we will uh, actually be having a panel on pulse field ablation at uh, Device Talks Boston. We already have uh, actually folks from Boston Scientific and Acutus on there. Both have been on the podcast before. Ken Stein from Boston Scientific and uh, Steve Mickelson from Acutus. And uh, I'm this this close, I think, to having someone from Medtronic on there as well. So uh, it'll be, be great. great. Great conversation. That'll be uh, one of the first panels on May 10th. So. Outstanding. Lots of lots of cool stuff, and I'm and I'm People glad. People have to, see to go to this show. I mean, you got to be there. I want to be there. I, I should go. I will go. Yeah. I'll be there. We'll yeah. be there. You want to go to your own show? <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, I mean, if you if you look at the agenda, there's uh, some really good stuff going on here. If I didn't work here, I would still want to go. So, exactly. gosh. That's what so I we, say too. This looks good. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. a great, uh, great list, Chris Newmarker, and uh, good, good to look back on onto Q1. We'll do this again uh, from time to time and, and take a look back. It's good to be reminded of all the cool stuff that's happening in medtech. It's really exciting. I just love the space, and you know, it's almost like a week doesn't go by where there just isn't something just really fascinating or awesome going on. Really. Well, Adam L. Sesser, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. We were just recounting before I pushed record. It's been uh, about four years since we last talked. Lots happened to Penumbra and, and to Device Talks and to the world. It's going to be great to catch up. I'd love to understand, or, or if you could remind me about your path into medtech. It was interesting because you were uh, an, an attorney to start, correct? Yeah. How'd you move into medtech, exactly, running a medtech? It's not a typical story, and it was not planned. As you said, I, I was a commercial real estate lawyer with a practice out here in the Bay Area in California. And I had represented a bunch of tech companies, Yahoo, Google, Oracle, all the Adobe in their real estate needs. And I was a partner in my law firm. I, I had a great plan ahead of me. You know, that this was sort of my life. Um, my best friend from college become a physician and, and focused on being a neurointerventionist, the kind of doctor who does obviously catheter work in the brain. And back in 1998, we happened to have a social dinner in New York, just to catch up. He mentioned ideas he had for devices. In order to get him to stop talking about it, I said something to the effect of, you know, we'll just start a company. I, I wasn't obviously serious. Um, <laughs> and the next day he called and asked if we could get together, or I shouldn't say asked, he insisted that we get together uh, to start the company that I promised him, his best friend, that we would start together. And here we are. So it, it, there, was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing planned about it. It was pure happenstance. And, you know, sometimes the best things in life are, are like that. And that's literally the story. That's great. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the podcast regularly knows that I like to focus on those moments. I mean, very often someone I'm talking to is, is working at a big company and is moving to a small company or vice yeah. versa. Never really is the shift in career as, as drastic as this one. Walk me through the thought process. Like you were succeeding in the path you've chosen. What on earth would convince you to go in an entirely different direction? Well, if you ever meet Dr. Ronnie Bose, who's my co-founder and dear friend, and he is quite compelling. Uh, it's hard <laughs> to say no to him. And he's one of the most kind and charming folks people have ever met. So you got to start with, I was at a huge disadvantage for saying no to him. That being said, I don't know how to answer that question because in many parts in life, you go through a very clear process. You know, you think about the pros and the cons and you sort of are deliberative. I never really thought about this, you know, and I, I look back on it. It was probably at the time, the most irresponsible thing I've ever done. <laughs> I had two kids, a mortgage in San Francisco, and I took a massive pay cut for many, many years to to do something, you know, that I didn't know anything about. Um, and like, that's not like, I wasn't being a responsible, you know, dad, it, it turned out okay, thank God. But I was just compelled, you know, I just sort of did it. And I guess I always thought I could always go back, you know, I, I had a good practice, I could build it again. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I was, you know, going to be destitute, but that, you know, it just felt like, why wouldn't you try to do something that could help all these people? Like we have a shot, but we have a shot at helping a lot of people. Why shouldn't I try it? It was that simple. Um, so I just said, why not? Let's give it a shot. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that, that's as good a reason as any. And, and that company was uh, Smart Therapeutics, correct? 
Yeah, that first company was called Smart Therapeutics. We made the first stent ever to go into the brain, came upon that through processing nitinol thinner than other people had been able to do that to make the physical product. Um, we sold that to Boston Scientific. A couple of, We stayed for a little bit, and a couple of years later, we started Penumbra. And Penumbra had a different, we had a very different mindset. The first one, we felt just lucky to get a product made and, you know, through the FDA process. And, you know, we didn't really know a lot more than that. But with Penumbra, we had spent a, a little more time. We had a little more understanding. And we thought, you know, we could do this, you know, in more areas than one. We could, you know, take our time to go after areas that might not be as quick to develop. So acute stroke, which was our first area of focus for Penumbra, was going to be a really long challenge because when we started with Penumbra, there were really three giant hurdles for us. One, none of our potential customers, neurosurgeons or neurointerventionalists, with a few exceptions, and they're wonderful pioneers, but many of them didn't really think about treating stroke. You know, that wasn't in their mindset. They were like, it's not really going to happen. What are you talking about? There was no reimbursement for a product at all. Wow. And there was nothing that we were working on that was patentable. And so when you looked at those three barriers, you know, we, we thought that was the perfect setup for success, of course. <laughs> um, and so it was a little bit crazy, obviously, but here we are. And I told, you know, one of the benefits of the way we did it is we never took venture capital money, formal venture capital money. And, you know, not a statement about that at all, other than you know, we were lucky that from my law practice and life, we knew a lot of people with means. And we were with our first company able to raise money privately, you know, just friends. Penumbra, we were able to do the same. And with Penumbra, I basically told the investors that were friends of mine, you can call me as a friend anytime because we're friends, but you cannot call me as an investor for at least 20 years. <laughs> um, because what we're doing might take 20 years. It's that hard, that long, and you just have to accept that. And there are certain things, you know, in our space that take time. You know that they need to be done. You know, when you step back and say, I have a blood clot that's causing an acute stroke that is going to leave me, you know, either dead or impaired for the rest of my life, or I can try to get it out and have a much better shot at being closer to normal functioning. Every, like, why wouldn't you try to get it out? Like, that's sure. But that wasn't the mindset at the time. So we knew that the products had to get better and better. It was really hard to make these products that did that. The first one wasn't going to be perfect. Here we are, you know, on our 10th or 11th version, you know, we're still improving them and we still have improvements to come. And, and it was that journey that sometimes the more traditional venture capital model isn't really suited for. And so we didn't need that. You know, we were lucky enough and we could build a different mindset. Um, and that's been true in our peripheral business, you know, that mm -hmm. we're, we're changing mindsets there around, you know, blood clots in your legs or your hearts or your lungs. And when we started, you know, people didn't think that was likely possible, you know, and here we are in the, again, early innings of really fundamentally changing that and probably have another decade of growth to, you know, get everyone to, you know, as the products get better and better to think about just removing blood clot, you know, it's and making it more democratic, if you will. So time sometimes doesn't line up with sort of the, the more traditional model. You, you identified three significant uh, barriers there that could have steered you into another direction, but you decided to to head down that track either. Which did you sort of address, uh, and you headed down that track anyway, which did you address first? Do you try to, I imagine you develop a, the device first and then try to use that to change the minds of, of physicians. And then the, the payers are going to come last regardless, I think. Um, well, well, actually it, it's the payers came, we were very lucky, you know, that CMS, I think was very proactive. And, you know, if you look at the cost to you know, Medicare and just the healthcare system in general of having a stroke and post-stroke care, you know, you're, it's one of the most expensive drags on our system. I mean, it's billions and billions and billions. 
And so they were relatively proactive and without an awful lot of data, you know, they opened up a reimbursement pathway. So, but that came at, that was second. The devices came first. Again, they were good enough to start the game. You have to really care. And, and there was some incredible pioneers in this field who really took on the challenge positions of working with the companies and getting the products to, you know, perform and get better and better. And then reimbursement. And then the, the patent stuff, that's sort of a, a funny thing. We're going into a trial soon on a product called Thunderbolt for stroke, back to our first, and that has patents. That's the first real substantive patents that have mattered for us. And we've been around for 17, 18 years as a company. So we went public, you know, we built our entire business really, you know, initially in stroke with no patents focused on any of those products. Really? Um, and it was a question that you know lots of investors had when we went public. And we just said, the field's early innovation is still ripe and we're just gonna keep out innovating. And it turned out we did. And that was enough to keep us ahead. Now, as we get a little more mature, again, you know, 17, 18 years into it, we were fortunate to come up with an amazing innovation, again, called Thunderbolt, that does have issued patents. But here we are. It's taken a long time. And Why take that route? It seems like people these days will, will patent a doorknob. I mean, they'll patent anything they can. <laughs> were you just confident in your abilities to compete without that sort of barrier to entry? A little bit. You know, I'm confident. I developed some confidence. You know, I won't tell you, you know, we think about comp competitors all the time. We're not, I never take anything for granted. We, you know, have a fair amount of thought around that so that we can make sure that we constantly stay ahead. But we also know the field pretty well. And we know that, unfortunately, you know, for the field, a lot of people try to copy what other people have done. You know, that's a part of the medical device field. And when you have a lot to do and you know that you're not perfect, you can likely stay ahead of that. Now, you know, you got to always try to stay ahead of that. Sometimes you get caught short by a month or two or a quarter, or, you know, and, and that's never fun, but, but it's also not important in the scheme of, of the innovation that we're talking about. Interesting. Well, let's talk about innovation. All right, we're back with Brendan Marinan, Product Manager of Metals at TE Connectivity. Brendan, how does TE Connectivity work with medical device companies? Our vision is to become the industry partner of choice for the design and manufacture of medical device solutions for our OEM customers. We estimate that 120 patients are treated every minute with a medical device containing our TE technology. So in that regard, we partner with both the world's largest medical device companies and the most innovative startups. We have sites in, in all the leading medical device hubs worldwide, serving our customers at their point of need. We can assist them with the design and development of the most critical metal components, right through to ramping them in an efficient and quality-driven manner for volume. We can support that volume manufactured then through our locations globally, from our low-cost locations in, in Costa Rica, Mexico, and China, to our automated solutions across all our plant networks in Europe, US, and Asia. And finally, we'll be talking a lot about neurovascular technologies. I understand TE connectivity has a lot of work in the space. Tell us, what are your offerings in the neurovascular space? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, neurovascular, no more than some of the other areas, we see continued growth and, and advancement and innovations in that area. And in parallel to that, we're continuing to invest in our advanced engineering solutions for neurovascular. We have ongoing investments in the next generation of laser cutting, welding and cleaning systems for small diameter shafts. We are developing modular solutions to get to help customers get to market faster and more efficiently across our metal-based solutions and our wire solutions. We're also about to launch our new Propellus prototyping center offering, where we can offer quick turnaround support for customers in our metal shaft and wire product development efforts. This, in conjunction with the simulation efforts and engineers we have on board, you know, will really help, I think, our customers and, and players in this market deliver improved solutions, you know, the more advanced, most advanced solutions in, in, in what is in a very exciting neurovascular market today. Thank you, Brendan Marinan, for joining us on this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. And thank you, TE Connectivity, for sponsoring this podcast and for holding our Device Talks Tuesdays on April 26th at 4 p.m. Once again, if you want to register, the title is Advanced Catheter Designs Optimizing for Precision and Profile. 
featuring Bernard McDermott. He is the engineering fellow at TE Connectivity. Brendan says he's one of the more experienced metal shaft professionals out there. So you definitely want to catch this presentation. Go to devicetalks.com to register. You can also scan the QR code on the, uh, the podcast graphic you'll see on the Device Talks website, or you can just click a few links and you'll be taken there as well. So lots of ways to, to register. You can watch it live or on demand, but make sure you watch it. Go to devicetalks.com. Well, let's talk about innovation. Uh, I referenced the interview we did back in 2018. Uh, you appeared at a conference that I had helped organize. And in the conference on stage and also in an inter interview, you had stated that one of your approaches to remaining innovative and ahead of things is you like to, you prefer, or at least you seek out hiring younger engineers because they come at it with a newer and fresher perspective. Number one, am I, am I remembering that correctly? Number two, is that still a philosophy you employ? Yeah, we have been really fortunate. We've been able to attract and hire just an extraordinary group of engineers. And unlike some folks, you know, companies who might seek out somebody with a lot of experience and don't, you know, get me wrong, we value sure. people's experience. But if you think about the kind of work that we're known for, we're doing things that have never been done. If you're hiring someone, you know, that has been doing that for a long time, you know, the, again, no disrespect intended to any experienced engineer, we have them and need them, <laughs> but the odds of somebody sort of waking up on a random Tuesday and saying, oh my God, after five years of working in this field, I figured it out today, you know, may be different than somebody who hasn't been doing that work. And again, it you know, it might not just be chronological age, it might just be experience in that field, you know, fresh perspectives really help the ability to sort of look at problems from a fresh eye and say, what is it that we're stuck on? What, why aren't we yet at a point where, you know, the product is close to perfect and what do we need to do that is going to, that seems to be more effective with people who have that ability. Sometimes that's age, sometimes it's just a mindset but but traditional thinking doesn't help you do things that have never been done. Now, if your motto, you know, and and form as a company is to, you know, sort of get another version of a category of product out there, then those people who've already done it become really important because mm -hmm. they try to do it. Sure. That's not how we think about our innovation. You know, we we traditionally don't like to just make products you know, that are different versions of other products that are out there. Well, that, that's understandable. And looking again at your um, workforce, another thing I remember you us talking about at, uh, four years ago was you made a point of, of stating the diversity of your workforce. At the time, you said the majority of your employees were women. 80% of your employees were non-white. And this was in 2018. Obviously, diversity was something we talked about back then, but it became even a greater focus was put upon it in 2020 for a variety of reasons, including the, the killing of George Floyd. Has anything changed for Penumbra in terms of your approach to diversity? It seemed like you were doing great prior to that. How do you sort of look at the industry's renewed focus on that? And how are you approaching things going forward? So I think it's a really... Great question. There's a lot of layers of that. So, you know, we'll start with the most fundamental of who are we hiring? Are we hiring enough people of color, enough women? And we have done, as you cited, really, really well. We didn't go backwards from those numbers since we last talked in 2018. So from the most basic level, you know, that, and that's not because we do anything unique. You know, we don't have some program. We literally are just trying to find the best people for the jobs. And, you know, in the case of gender, the population are women. And therefore, it's not surprising that half of those people th that fill those jobs are women. You know, that's also true in our engineering ranks. You know, about half of our engineers are, are women. And that doesn't surprise us given the workforce that's out there. What we have there may be groups within there that, you know, we could do better uh, and we're slightly underrepresented. But as a general rule, I know the company has done extraordinarily well. What we really tried to focus on in addition to that 
going forward in 2020 was something a little more subtle and a little harder to tease out. And that is, how do we act as a, a company, the people within our company um, around and, and do we understand um, our sort of unconscious biases as we interact with people that are different from us? And we actually went out and sought stories from particularly in 2020 from some of our Black employees about what they experienced, you know, at Penumbra. And again, a company that prides themselves in bringing in a diverse workforce. And we put together a whole training around unconscious bias. And, and I understand, you know, there's a lot of political anxiety and concerns around some of this stuff. It's nonsense. We all have biases. We all don't understand them sometimes. There's no one who's, you know, affirmatively, with a few exceptions, maybe acting as bad actors. It's bringing awareness to how our behavior impacts other people and creating an environment that really matters and is as supportive and, and open to a broad range of people. If you do that, it's, it's not a political statement, it's a human statement, and you're going to have a much better experience with people. And frankly, you're going to have a much better business because you bring in different perspectives, which mean you're going to be more successful. That training, I think, is pretty cutting edge. You know, some of the stories are pretty poignant about people's experiences. Um, I was incredibly proud of, of the folks who shared their stories with us so we could do that. And we've been able to, I think, start that journey of, you know, we, again, have done well, but really looking internally and saying, how do we keep doing this better and better and better um, so that we can get to the point where it is an environment that everyone um, can thrive in. So I think it's continued. I'm, I'm, I'm personally very proud of it, and it shows in 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 the diversity of our workforce. And the final uh, final area I wanted to hit upon was uh, your your real immersive system, sort of your your VR system. I think initially it's it, we can talk about it better than I can, of course. Yeah. But initially, <laughs> as I as I saw on the website, it was more of a a stroke rehabilitation tool. Now I'm seeing additional applications for for mental health and yeah. other uses. Talk about the system, but how does a VR system fit into a clot clearing device company? <laughs> so it's a great question. I'll, let me address that question first, and then I can sort of describe the product maybe. We have always viewed ourselves as a, a healthcare company. We don't put those limits on us as, you know, a by the customers or the type of material we use or the, the clinical area that we go into. If we did that, we would have stayed a neuro company, you know, focusing on one product. And, and obviously, since we talked um, where neuro was the biggest part of our business, now our vascular side is much bigger than neuro. You know, that change happened since we last talked in 2018. And so we wouldn't have been able to do that as if, if we saw ourselves that way. And in fact, when we went public in 2015, I shared with investors that in five or six years, if we do three things, you know, we hire the best people, we constantly innovate, and we execute well, that I said in 2015 that our vascular business would be bigger than our neuro business in five or six years. And we have done that. And we had an investor day last September to talk about immersive healthcare. And I said, I reminded everyone that I had said that. And here we are, our vascular business is now bigger than neuro because we did all those things. I then said that if we continue to hire the best people, innovate, create well, and execute that immersive healthcare will be bigger, the biggest part of our business in the next five years. Wow. Uh, or six years, I think. I said five to six years. Um, <laughs> we'll cut you slack. Got to give me a little, little yeah. wiggle. You know, we still have to do that work. It's a brand new area, but it's so clear to the folks who have paid attention to it and done work in it that the need is there. That the idea of using the tool of virtual reality across a large spectrum of mental health conditions and and physical conditions and so on are there, the, the science is behind it, the, the understanding around it. Um, and a lot of it just comes down to friction of delivery of the tool and the product. Um, and so we've pivoted to really think about this as building a platform uh, technology where we're investing heavily in the hardware side, 
uh, as well as the software side and building sort of the channels, if you will, so that we can not only have our content, but we can have third parties content um, on the system. Sort of think about it, you know, like uh, the Sony PlayStation model, if you will. In fact, you know, we hired one of the most senior executives at Sony Interactive Entertainment, which is Sony PlayStation, who had been there from the beginning to help us do that, you know, who understand all the mistakes um, that have been made and the ways to make sure we don't do them um, and really lead our third party developer effort here. So that's the goal. So for us, the fit is perfect. There are people who need help and we have a really good solution that might help them. And so that's exactly our core mission. It's that simple. So for us, it fits in exactly with everything else we've done. It just happens to be different customer base. It happens to be different conditions, but it is exactly the mission that we've set out to do. And a lot of the people in the field want us to do this. And that's frankly most um, satisfying part and, and most validating part is there are, are many, many companies there are over a hundred mostly smaller organizations that are working on great content. You know, they're not more than a software company per se, and we can help them get that content out there on the platform. And so rather than look at this as, you know, one person wins, um, there's an opportunity um, to harness just the extraordinary effort of so many people um, and, and really accelerate that out there as fast as possible. So it seems like an obvious fit. Again, we have to continue to hire the best people, which so far we've done, innovate, which so far we've done, and, and execution, which that's always the hard part, but we're on our way. Are you developing content and, and sort of the soft software yeah. part of it only, or are no. you also developing the, the system itself? The... Yeah, so we're going to work, we're working on all of it, the hardware as well as the, the software. There's two types of software. There's the software, obviously, that runs the platform, you know, which different than the experiences. Um, within the experiences, our own studios, uh, three different studios now inside Penumbra, uh, working on content. And again, reaching out to lots and lots of different people who are working on content and getting them to develop it well and be on our platform. So lots of work over the next 12 months to make that a reality. But as that develops, uh, so far, I'm pretty optimistic. The reception has been amazing. And, and does that put you up against an Oculus, a Facebook? I mean, you're competing for that sort of market. Are you going to have your own yeah. meta, metaverse to, to, that you're going to sell real estate in? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I don't think we compete against them. You know, they're yeah. media companies. They, they tend to be involved in entertainment. There's nothing entertainment about this. This is serious sort of real work, you know, necessary to help people get better. The metaverse is, you know, I've seen the videos and all like that. We don't want to live in the metaverse. We want to live in the real world. <laughs> uh, and, and our product's called the real system for a reason. You know, we want to be involved in, you know, bringing people back to the most healthy state. So I, I think we're in different places and different worlds. I don't think we compete with, with those companies at all. It's just a different thing. I don't think social media companies want to be regulated by the FDA and everything else that goes with it. That that doesn't strike me as an area that that we're going to have to worry about. No, they, they don't tend to encourage regulation. And I see enormous opportunity with learning disabilities and other things as well, uh, yep. for sure. So you gave the six-year window as to this becoming a, a bigger part of your business. Is this sort of the next phase, the only next phase for Penumbra? And this is my final question, or, or are there some other, have you made some other bold predictions to analysts that you could share as to what the company might look like in half a decade? Not publicly. <laughs> you want to do that here or are you good right now? Probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do, I'm just curious, how do you balance, I imagine they're very different businesses, the software content side and the medical yeah. device side. How yeah. do you keep everybody uh, moving on the same train, moving in the same direction? Hire really good people and, you know, communicate a lot and it works. But yeah, they are operated differently. There's a different process. And again, I think we know enough about how to navigate in the healthcare arena to trade off that experience um, so that we know how to do that. We have an extraordinary team um, and the folks leading that effort um, are, are some of the best in the business. And uh, there's a lot of excitement about it. So it's pretty easy when you see the successes and hear the patient stories. 
you know, to keep motivated and to keep focused on it. That's great. Well, I'll put in my calendar to, to check back with you another four to five years and we can, uh, we can, we can check your progress. <laughs> we'll see how good we went. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, uh, thank you for, uh, for the time and for, for joining us in the podcast. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Chris Newmarker. Well, it's good to talk to you on Friday, and it's going to be great to put this podcast out. And uh, how can folks find you out there in the land of social media? Out in the uh, social uh, universe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> multiverse. What you, what you, the, the social media multiverse. How can we I find am you? now pure data. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Newmarker. Always, uh, always happy to, you know, like uh, talk about new things. Absolutely. And I am on Twitter at MedTechTom, on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I, Chris Newmarker. We want people to watch. like, follow, There you go. Like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast channel. So Device Talks podcast channel features Device Talks Weekly, Striker Talks, which will come out on Monday. Got a new second episode coming out on Monday. And Intuitive Talks, which will come out later this month. So subscribe to that one channel. You get all this MedTech content sent straight to you. And then while you're at it, follow Medtronic Talks, their own podcast, their own podcast channel, and you'll get the latest on Medtronic. So lots going on over there as well. We're, we're upping our, uh, we're, we're back to our twice a month schedule with Medtronic Talks. So we'll have awesome. this podcast four times a month, Striker Talks once a month, Intuitive Talks once a month, Medtronic Talks twice a month. So that's a lot of podcasting. A lot of yeah. Podcasts. Yeah. So a whole, whole heap and servant of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so please do you do, feel like a podcast empire builder, Tom? Do you feel like you're I I, I definitely want to be a mogul. I'd like mogul. to be a like podcast mo- mogul. Yeah. yeah. Mogul. Yeah. I want to Sounds I want to, good. you know, sit in my office and smoke a pipe and you know, squish the little man. That'd be fun, I think, right? Well, no, you know. You gonna run for the Senate then? Or <laughs> I have newsies in my head as I talk about that. I want to. <laughs> I want to. I want to drive these little kids. Evil, to... I was getting this evil senator thing, like you know, bourbon <laughs> in the corner. You know, <laughs> uh, just just think newsies. That's me. I'm gonna be in, in the in the uh, the wood paneled podcast studio. The wood panel. I like that wood paneling. Wood paneling needs to come back. Would you, would you do oak? Would it be oak paneling or like go for a nice walnut or anything? I don't know. We'll have, we'll have, to, yeah. we'll have to get some swatches and see what looks yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I'll pay someone to get swatches because I'll be That's podcast right. rich That's and famous right. by that point. You're a mogul, Tom. Well, I'm a You're mogul for crying SWAT. out loud. You're going to Home Depot. <laughs> and, you, know, you send somebody else to Home Depot. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We are way off track, but it's Friday and we're happy. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Uh, please do share this episode of the podcast on your social media channels. Please tag Chris and or myself. Don't forget to go to uh, devicetalks.com to listen to all these great podcasts if you don't subscribe. And while you're there... Uh, register for Device Talks Boston and Device Talks Minnesota. Use and or. You can go to both. We'd love to see you both. But if just pick one and use the code DTW25 to save 25%. And uh, check out our roster of Device Talks Tuesdays while you're on there. There's so much MedTech content. It's crazy. So uh, go to devicetalks.com. All right, Chris. That's it. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the spring. Enjoy the spring.